You are listening to Tornado Radio, weathering the storms here in Central Texas and all points abroad since 2020, looking for a brighter future. Out About Town with Dustin Brown. I've seen this guy at open mics, and he hosts an open mic at Barrow Brewing in Toledo. And of course, he's a gigging musician, even during this whole COVID thing, which is commendable. And when you hear him gig, you get to hear his songs. And today we are going to dig into what's behind all those songs with uh, DJ Shanti Ann. Welcome, Tornado Radio listeners. Today, I will be talking with Dustin Brown, a local Central Texas musician. 
Welcome, Dustin. Hey, guys. It's an honor to get this opportunity to talk with you. Thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here, you know. You know, I love your voice. There's a very interesting, unique quality to your voice that gives your music a distinct one-of-a-kind sound. Now, how would you describe the music that you make? I try to make it different, but I, I think if if there was a box or, or a shelf to be put on, it definitely falls into rooted country, but, you know, like a little southern rock. And, you know, but lyric heavy. I've always been focused on that more than anything. And our set could go from anything from like a real country song to like a southern rock song to like a psych rock song, you know. And and uh, so I guess, you know, the easy shelf would be like Americana country blues you know, or something. But. Okay. Oh, cool. So what inspires you to create the music that you do? Really just without sounding corny or cliche, but like life, most everything... I write is kind of like my diary, you know, it's uh, which I think most most writers are like that, you know. Sometimes I sit down and craft something when I hear something else that I like and I'm like, I want to make something similar to that, you know, or get inspired by other, other artists, other music, or even things happening in the world. But most of my songs, 90% of them are just straight from the gut, you know, that's what was happening that day or that moment, which is why some of the songs, you know, they don't even get finished for... I've finished songs like four years later because, you know, I can't get back into that space to do it, you know, and and then eventually I find myself there and like, okay. Or sometimes you start a song, but there's something unresolved and then you have to wait four years or sometimes 10 years to resolve it so you can finish the song. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you you have a... Have a little little spat maybe with a with a lover or something, and then, but then you you recover from it, and then you know years later it ends up yeah <laughs> you end up finishing it. It's like okay, well I got to finish the song now. <laughs> and then you write this sweet love song to yeah. make up for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> what are the major themes of your music? I would say misery. You know, <laughs> which we, I have a title track called Misery. Yes, and that sells so well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the self-deprecating, you know, musician. Well, woe is me. Like, real original here. <laughs> well, everybody can relate to misery. Exactly. And I, and I, I kind of have, yeah, yeah, yeah. have a theory on misery is like, you know, because uh, I've had moments in my life where everything's been really easy and going and wonderful, and I've found myself more depressed and miserable in those moments than mm-hmm. in the truly low points. Because you know, mm-hmm. I, think, I think people is like retiring and things like that. It's like you don't, you know, I feel like when you get to that, that point of like, no one, I think, truly wants to sit on the beach and drink a mojito for 20 years and then, die. you know, you want this goal and this task. And sometimes when you find yourself in the pits of misery and all this despair, whether it's self-induced or not, you know, it's, it's, it seems like, uh, I don't know, that's where I thrive. And mm-hmm. now, But I, I don't, I avoid it. I mean, I don't, I don't seek it out, but right. sometimes it, when it's right there, I let it happen. <laughs> Does it get you motivated? Like to go do something else? Exactly. Exactly. Like, um. You get, you get hung up on a certain feeling or a certain thought for so long, and then, yeah, but say, you know, lose a job or, or a heartbreak or, or a death in the family or dog dies or whatever it may be. And I, I know it's just an old broken country song, but, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's, that's life, and it's, it's, it's folk music too. It's just always poured out that way. Ain't 
trying to accomplish with your music at this point just uh you know i I don't know if it's an exact uh blaze foley quote but they put it in the movie blaze you know that uh ethan ethan hawk made or whatever uh as there's a part you know and she his girlfriend they're riding the back of the truck and you know she tells him you you want to be famous or something like that he's like i don't want to be famous i want to be a legend you know and it's like (laughs) and it's and it's like maybe maybe I heard that line in the movie i was like got a little goosebumps like maybe that's maybe that's what i'm going for because you know i've had moments of like not fame by any means, but, you know, I'm super, super small. But, like, you have your moments where you feel, like, that embrace and stuff, and there's people coming at you from nine different ways, and it's almost overwhelming. You know, it's like, I don't know if I really would want fame, per se, but just to be remembered and, like I said, as a songwriter, musician. In other words, if you could be respected and understood for the songs that you write, but without all that fame bullshit and people stalking you and, you know, thinking they know what you're about when they don't. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. The new quote that I've adopted is, you know, it's like, cause people ask all the time, they lay it out less politely as you did. And they, you know, they're like, well, what are you, what are you trying to do here? Are you trying to think, think you're going to be the next, you know, Garth Brooks or something like, no, no, no. Like I, this is, this is what I do. You know, ever since I was a child, I've written songs and tried to play guitar even when I didn't know how to, you know, it's just what I do and there's nothing. And I've had crazy jobs and I've had crazy experiences in life changes just in the short time I've been here, but music is always the, the rock, I always come back to it. So that's the way I expect, it's what I do. That's what I'm trying to accomplish, is just be a songwriter, write the music that people want to hear or don't want to hear, what I want to put out, you know. If something happens from that, cool. If something doesn't, I'll die a poor, broke musician as many have before. <laughs> you know? That's right. But you're working your passion. Yeah, yeah. Living your passion. Exactly. That's awesome. How did you become interested in making music? Uh, I don't know. If it was little crumbs that had just been maybe left through my childhood that sent me there, or if it's truly, you know, in a bloodline or something, because it feels like something that has always been in me that I always wanted to do, whether I saw it on TV or something, or or like, you know, my sisters, they sang and and played guitar. And my my father and my mother don't do a whole lot. My dad played guitar when he was a kid, but, but my grandfather was an accomplished musician. I never got to meet him, but, you know, he, he was fiddle player first and foremost, but could play any instrument by ear, you know, got invited. I can't remember the feller's name, but he actually came right over here to uh, Belton, Moffat area a long time ago for a fiddling competition and, yeah. and like offered, you know, my grandfather, he's like, they did a little battle, I guess. And he's like, you could come on the road with me. He's like, I have 
a family. Like, I'm not doing that. You know, <laughs> like, real salt to the earth guy. But to this day, you know, people, they're like, oh, yeah, you're following in your grandfather's footsteps. So it's, oh, it necessarily wasn't in my house, but it was in our history. And, I, and maybe maybe that, or maybe it's just something that, like I said, for me, at least, it feels like it's it's in there. I always wanted to express and I'm probably I'm probably sure that somewhere deeper in the psychology of it, there's like a wanting for like that that love and that like gratification or whatever you know because I wasn't ever good at like the, at sports and things like that but oh I can sing a song and people pay attention to me you know? like that's yeah. this is cool you know like that's that's everybody has their thing and that was mine early on like I can I could do this. <laughs> can you tell us a memorable story from your musical career? I gotta tell you, this one's—it's very morbid, but it's—it's—it's it's, it's like just insane. So buckle up, sorry. <laughs> One of the craziest things that happened is I met up with Billy Hartman and a fellow that goes by the name Buck Buffalo, both out of like Stephenville area songwriters, you know. And we played the Armadillo Dan or something like that up in Fort Worth, Dallas, up, up near that way. We go in; it's just a regular kind of dive bar, and they've got some mics set up for us in the stage, and they kind of have some. Uh, however legitimate or legal <laughs> uh, gambling in the back, you know, and they're playing cards and, and whatnot. And we get our sound checks in, we get done, we're sitting out back like having a beer. We all move inside, like, all right, we're going to get up here to play the show. And this commotion's happening back in the little poker area. And uh, this this poor woman, she's, you know, has gone down to the ground. And everyone's like, what's, what's going on? They're like, oh, she's having a seizure. But it turns out 10 or 15 minutes later, ambulance shows up and, you know, they try to resuscitate and take her out. And this, this woman had actually passed away. And that's the, the morbid part of the story. The crazy part of the story though is, is and it was a tight knit, you know, dive bar. So they all know each other. So we're thinking, all right, well, this is, you know, it's like a family member just going away. And it's like, we probably need to move on. <laughs> the guy running sound, he's like, all right, well, no, we'll give it like 10 or 15 minutes. You guys can get up there. And we're like, oh, okay. All right. 10 or 15 minutes. And yeah, we like get up here and they're like, yeah, get back up there. And, uh, just play, and we all we all agreed. All right, we'll all play like our saddest song, I guess, and kind of you know oh, we we like mention yeah to honor her. Yeah, and it was and it was so it was the strangest set I've ever played. To whereas you know, fifteen minutes later we started the set. Thirty minutes later, card games going again, and everything's just back to normal. And and I just remember being like, this is a wild thing we do. <laughs> like you know, just not a laughable matter, but that's probably the most insane road story I have. I would say so far. <laughs> I 
brushes with fame or famous people? A post on Facebook had come up and I got tagged in it. And uh, this, I guess this modeling agents thing, they put a post out looking for, I think it said something like white trash version of, uh, of, of Chris Stapleton or something like that. And a friend of mine was just harassing me and was like, that's Dustin Brown. Like, <laughs> like tagged me in it. Well, then this guy likes that. And then he comments to me, sends me a message. He's like, you would fit the role perfectly. Like, that's what we're like. And I'm like, oh, that's a real compliment. Thanks. You know? And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's like a younger, a younger, like t- tall, skinny, like cowboy hat wearing Chris Stapleton, you know, long hair. And I, I had my, my Stetson open road at the time. And I was like, all right, this has definitely got to be one of those things where they're going to, you know, he's trying to like get my information. You know, it's a Facebook scam or something like that. And he's like, no, like sends me all this stuff and it's legit, like a modeling agency, like when they, where they do all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, uh, the role is to, to be a, a, an extra in a music video for, for two very prominent country artists. And I'm like, pop country artist or what? Like, what, you know, because I hear two and I'm thinking, first thing I'm thinking is like, was this like Florida Georgia line or something? I don't really want to be associated with, with that crew at all, you know? And that's all I can think. I'm trying to think of all the duo, like famous pop country people. I'm just like, I was like, I don't know, man. And he's like, well, send us a video of you like playing and stuff. And the role will be playing the guitar. The whole thing worked out. I ended up going to Oklahoma and they don't tell you till the day you're driving in because it's like a non-disclosure. I'm driving up there and it was like, they're like, it's Blake Shelton and Trace Atkins or whatever. Oh, wow. And I'm like, all right, you know, like, like older, older, uh, Blake Shelton. I like, you know, Austin, that's a good song, you know, and, and even, uh, you know, Trace Atkins, he had some, some stuff, you know, but also in, in later years, they've both put out some very pop success garbage in my opinion. (laughs) And I was like, all right, cool. I was like, well, what's, what am I doing? He's like, well, you and this other guy are going to have like a dueling guitar scene, like in this hay barn. I'm like, oh, that sounds like every pop country music video I can imagine. <laughs> they literally, and we, we get there. There's no organization to the thing. Uh, the guy they get me with was out of Austin. He's my saving grace later on. Uh, but I had to deal with him, do a strung out. The whole time he's like just all over the place. And they're kind of like, I kind of have to be his handler. It just kind of happens, you know, and. Our scene finally comes around. We stay there all day in the heat. You know, Blake Sheldon, like Trace Atkins, like they come walking through. And I don't know, I was so just over it, dealing with this guy and like dealing with all these people who were like, oh, this is like our big chance to like meet a star. And I, and I was, I'm not trying to like be a cool guy, but I was so over it. I was hot and like I'd been working the week before I drove out there for this. I'm like, what am I doing? And I, and, and it's the song is this just God awful. So I won't even mention it. It's just, it's God awful. It just came out like last summer. Please tell me you got paid for this. Yeah, I did. I did. So, so yeah, I got, I got paid like $350. And that was what, you know, I called all my songwriter friends and I was like, I'm not telling y'all who it's for. 
not only for the non-disclosure, but just for my embarrassment. I was like, I was like, but, I was like, but if y'all were to find out that I was part of like this music video for like a pop country song that's really terrible, like, how would you think of it? And they were all like, are you getting paid? I was like, yep. And they're like, well, it's a gig. It's a gig. I'm like, okay, it's a gig. And they're like, and who knows? You might, you know, rub some elbows. I'm like, but it's not with the people that I need to be rubbing elbows with, in my opinion. But. But anyway, the whole thing goes, our scene finally comes up and this guy is like pouring sweat, just really not, he's out of his mind, you know? And he's like, so should we do like a, and he like puts his elp, his back against my back and he's like, you want to do this like one of these dueling guitar things? Like you're, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm just like, this is terrible. And, but yeah, Blake Shelton at one point was like from here to there and he's going around, you know, like in between cuts and he's like meeting all the, and I'm, I'm, I know like I had such a sour face, like he's being a very like, you know, hey, 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 and comes around, he locks eyes with me, I'm just sitting here, like, looking at him, just like, I don't, you know, and he's like, all right, <laughs> just, like, keeps moving, uh, and then, like, Trace Atkins and I, like, walked, you know, beside each other, uh, he was going, and he was over it, by the way, every time the camera's going, he was like, hey, I'm doing my part, and then they go off, and he'd light up a cigarette, just like, what am I doing with my life today? <laughs> um, I don't know, I, that's the way I perceived it, the song was terrible, I don't know, but, uh, but now the, only, now the only one that I met or got to brush with is my, this is my claim to fame is, so, you know, Gwen Stefani and Blake oh, Shelton are together, right? right. right? Oh. So she's there too, you know, she's running around being Gwen Stefani. And I'm like, well, this is pretty cool, you know? And, and I go into the house at one point, there's like a house on the property to use the restroom. And, and I walk in and there's this, a gaggle of women and girls at the, right in the doorway. And I'm almost kind of like, cause I'm frustrated because of the stuff I'm dealing with. I'm just like, God, like, why are you in front of the door? Like, I'm trying to, you know, and then I realize in the middle of their conversation, I just walk right through it, and it's they're all standing because Gwen Stefani's standing there telling them like a story or something, and I just walked right through it. And she either locked eyes with me out of anger, or as I like to say it, she checked me out. And, I, you know, that's, that's that. So I got checked out <laughs> by Gwen Stefani on a ranch in Oklahoma in the middle of nowhere. And then the best thing that happened, though, is because the guy that I was shooting the scene with was, like, sweating bullets and, like, legit, like, just not okay, you know. Definitely needed some help, uh and they cut our scene. So the only evidence I was there is my truck is in like the background of what I'm. So I got paid, didn't make it into the music video. I was like, perfect. I got a cool story to tell. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And I can show you all the video later. <laughs> but yeah, that's my pickup truck. They were like, you got a cool truck. Can we like park it, like park it around this, this pond? And they had a bonfire. The whole is how you'd imagine some pop country like music video. And, but yeah, now I, now it's a funny story to tell. But the day it happened, I was like in knots, like, what am I doing? I'm going to ruin my career. Like the, all my legitimate, you know, like I, I, I strive to, like I said, be like a songwriter, a legitimate artist or whatever. Now I'm going to be associated with this forever. But. Well, if it had come out, you could have just said, no, no, that wasn't me. That that was someone who looked a lot like me. I don't know who they are, but yeah, it yeah. wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I thought about that. I was... I was waiting for it to like go live and and people be hit me up be like oh no it's, I'm like you know I'm like Pfft. yeah I was gonna deny it to the day I died. The thing is though they wanted me in my like the way I dress normal like I had my my Stetson open row like everything my guitar you know which is it's there's more like it but I'm I'm kind of like known for this guitar and stuff so it's like uh, it would have it would have been bad. Oh and then too the the songwriter was there and it turned out to be this guy Hardy. Had no idea who that was, and I was, and I, I met him because I was like, "Hey, is this the right lick?" And I like played it because we're supposed to be mimicking it, right? I don't. I'm like, I'm not. If I'm gonna be in this terrible video, I'm at least gonna mimic the lick, right? So I don't. Some musicians aren't like, "Look, he's not even playing it." So, but he goes, "Sure, I guess, man. Like, whatever. You know, we're just here." And I'm like, "All right, cool, whatever, dude." And I find out like, actually, just a few months ago, that guy, yeah, he's written like big major songs for pop country at least. And the guy is like. A million followers or some craziness and I was like alright that's cool I was kind of a kind of a jerk to this guy I mean I don't know so. true like I said being true to myself so whether it's shooting myself in the foot or not I don't care so. <laughs> now there's something going Wrong. I believe sometimes I'm living, loving, dying in a place that I don't belong. It was once planted deep in your head, get born and stay in the head instead of loving some. 
biggest hit and the story behind it currently as mentioned before i think misery it seems to be hitting pretty well on all my analytics and stuff and then a, a single that i just dropped you is doing pretty well but but we'll we'll focus on misery because that's one of my favorites too because because i write all these sad like you know depressing whatever you want to call them songs and kind of between my mom and friends and her, it's like, you know what I write? You need to write, like, happy stuff, you know? Like, nobody wants to hear two hours of just just dread and doom, so. So the joke I always tell on stage, too, is that Misery is, is uh, the lyrics in it were actually scrapped from a, another song, that, and it was meant to be slower and, like, but I just put a happy little go-lucky beat to it, and the song is it's called Misery, and it's just, it's kind of about these two characters whether they're whether it's myself and maybe past loves or whatever but a lot of people think that song is uh just from one point of view so like where it gets to the end uh there's a line that says uh you know she's saying like when i don't when i don't give no more you know then they call her a whore or whatever but like people think that like i'm saying that about myself and it's like so you actually have first verse is is from the narrator's point of view and then second verse is from the 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 male character's point of view and then it goes back to the narrator and then the female point of view and it's like a like Willie Nelson does a lot of things like that where he's singing from different perspectives you know and, and so I try to try to like integrate that in there but at the end of the day it has like a nice groovy beat to it and 
people hear it and they're like, oh, this is so much fun. And it's, <laughs> it's really just, yeah, it's misery. What is your favorite song to perform? And can you tell us the story behind it? With the band, we've, so off my, my last record, they weren't on it. We just kind of had some pickup players and stuff. But on stage, we've been playing The Ragged Edge, which is off of, uh, like I said, the current album that's out. And what they do on stage is, it's the same, but different, you know, than, than the record. It's, it's along the same lines. But uh, the big thing on that one is it's our it's our exit song when we're on stage. And it has a big, uh, if you're familiar with Wilco, you know, like they, they're, they're really known for just, falling into chaos, you know, at the end of songs and stuff and changing keys and playing off from each other and like pushing pulls and just dissolve, you know, and, and we do one of those kind of at the end of that song. And so performing that one, you know, there's a lot of emotion behind it, a lot of just, yeah, velocity, I guess. Like it's, it's fun. Which song or songs are most meaningful for you? Got a bunch of, like, because they're all, it's kind of a written, vocalized diary of, of my life. But uh, I would say that out of stuff that's currently, there's plenty of stuff that's to be released that uh, that would probably make this list. But stuff, something that somebody could go check out now would would actually be something like the Ragged Edge, or a lot of people are resonating with Porcelain and Stone. Um, it's a song I wrote, and it's one of my more like, well, that's a country ballad, you know. It's you know in the roller coaster of our music, but but that one is uh, about a time in my life where I was kind of going through my own craziness and had crazy girl girlfriends and things like that. And sometimes you end up in Florida, you know, no sleep. And <laughs> There's a trope, yeah. musician with crazy girlfriends. Yeah, yeah. Someone should write a song about that. Written a couple, written a couple. <laughs> Just a few. <laughs> yeah, and when I wrote it, I was humming that, like, melody, because the melody is nothing new or nothing groundbreaking or nothing, but uh, thought of that cool idea, you know, where she's this fragile thing is like porcelain. And at the time, you know, I was considering myself more like stone. I was a little more gruff and rough and like, hey, this is life. And which seems to be my, my issue with a lot. I kind of forget, you know, how fragile maybe other people are. And I, not on a physical sense, really, but, you know, like I can be more just realist and, hey, like life and death, it happens. Let's move on. And that person, you know, a little more fragile. And that particular song is about a one gal that I, I was seeing at the time, but I think it manifests for many others too and in myself different versions of myself all manifest in one and and I think other people too why it resonates so much with them is that they've gone through that very thing you know they might not have ended up in you know Florida with a big bag of cocaine or nothing but they've all gone through that same kind of thing how about a song from someone else that inspires you or that you really like current stuff you know that inspires me uh like the the structure and production is this group Susto out of North Carolina. You know, they've got like this real good sonic, like cosmic folk country thing. They're going like somebody sent it to me. I'm like, Oh, that's like what we're trying to do. Like, you know, so they've been a, a big, big one that I'm glued to right now. And all their songs are, are, are fabulous of Susto. You should look them up. They're really cool. But then when you go back to some of my early days, like, uh, which I feel like a lot of country kids, early inspiration is kind of like the Johnny Cash, Johnny Hortons and stuff like that, you know, walk the line and all that. But, uh, but then when I got into more into songwriters and that whole, that whole world, like I said, Towns Van Zant, definitely when I want to, when I think I've written a good song or, or, you know, structured something well, I can go listen to Marie or, or waiting around to die even, which is super, super simple, but just so powerful. Like he doesn't waste a word, you know, and, and like Bob Dylan too, of course. Uh -huh. And that's that's the easy easy one, you know. But I draw from kind of like all over the. You know, we could go on that for an hour alone to say <laughs> all the different nice. people and songs. Now, where can our listeners find your music? I'm on all the platforms, all all the streaming platforms. Uh, Spotify is kind of the main focus, just for you know we want to build a following on there, and it could eventually reach more. But it's on Apple and all the free ones, even too, and and. And I always encourage people to go to even my website at www.dustbromusico.com. Uh, I have it all up there for free download because we basically, we get streamed basically for free. Anyways, I'm like, well, if I can get traffic to my website and they can download it for free, but maybe they buy some merch or I have vinyl from the, oh. from the last record too. So, and that can be found with me at my shows or at www.dustbromusico.com. 
homeless and I'm hungry and my country done me wrong. Say I paid the biggest price but was the smallest cost. Pain and sacrifice or sacrificial cost. If you could spare a dollar, I could maybe feed my dog. Kids without a home, daddy left long ago. Now I'm out here on the streets trying to get back up on my two feet. If I could only walk, the cancer took my leg, but my will it cannot. projects on the horizon me and the band we got six songs tracked down in austin their first ep together as a band so hopefully late I'd say late summer we could probably have that out you know this time i go around i'm definitely not rushing into it i want to take the time get all the all the monies right get all the you know podcasts like that lined out and whereas last time i kind of rushed out and threw it into the wind by the end of the summer we'll have a six song ep so tell us about your band the band is a they're called the Now, and the reason for that is kind of like uh, like a Taoist, uh, you know, look at the world is like it's the here and the now and the way, and like, and also just ironically, we haven't kept, we've only had one steady member besides me since the incarnation of it. So yeah, it's like, well, who, who's in the band now? You know, it's like, so this is this is the Now, like, the Now. So Dustin Brown and the Now, and yeah, before that it was like the one group I had, they wanted to be called the Leftovers because they were. Uh, they were literally left over from another band. And I was like, well, that makes sense. But what I see in my head is like, Dustin Brown, the leftovers, like I see, imagine myself in like a white beater sitting over like a plate of like ramen <laughs> in, in front of like a scratchy TV screen in the middle of the night. Uh-huh. Like, it's like, they're like, oh, okay. So we came up with the now and who knows, that might even change. Yeah. So we're getting through this EP and we might we might be doing a, a name change, something we stick with for forever. Yeah, they're a solid group of guys. Uh, Tyler Ralston out of, out of Temple. Joel Allen's out of uh, Lampass has been playing bass for us. And our drummers are uh, ever alternating. But the guy that we have right now that's really, he's doing our studio work with us and playing when he can is uh, uh, Chris Smith. Uh, he plays for a band called Ghost Dance. And they're, uh, they're kind of in the Texas country scene, which we delve in there too. But uh, killer group of guys, you know, but when it was just keeping everybody on the same page and all the time. And, Yes, he's a he's a killer. He's a he likes to he likes to get stressed out all the time. Like when he sees another band and like somebody playing, he's like, "Man, that guy's so much better." Me, I was like, "He is, he is," but he's not you, you know. And that's like I don't want that carbon copy over there. Like I want 
I want the guy that's thinking outside of the box. It's not going to hit that lick where this other guy's almost guaranteed to hit that lick, you know? Yeah, there's something melodic about how he plays, mm-hmm. and there's some thought into it. Yeah. He, he's not a clone of anybody. Exactly, which is what, you know, I think, it's what I, like I said, I strive for with my music, and I don't always hit the nail on the head, but I want to be a little different. You know, I want it to be familiar enough that somebody can resonate, but just a little different. And Tyler brings that as the guitar player, you know, and, I, and that's what I, I have to tell him all the time. It's like, yeah, I can go get a hired gun, but they're going to hit that run, you know, like every other guitar player hits it. You, he's thinking about it or lack thereof thinking about it. He'll show up to show sometime and forget the thing he played last time, and he's just kind of free playing and figuring it out as he goes, you know. And our bass player, Young Cat, out of uh, Lampasas, out of all places, just, and he's a killer, a, just a killer on the bass. But he can play the guitar, too. Like, he can play flamenco and, like, anything. You can just pick it up and just start killing it and kind of put him on bass. And he really deserves to be on a, on a lead, lead position. And, and I hope one day, you know, he, he could go play for anybody he wanted to, you know, which all these guys could. But now he's leaned into the bass part really heavily and he's you know he's taking it seriously he's not just doing your regular old bass run the the record we have a few songs in there that uh (laughs) he's got he's got some parts that's a lot lot different than what you're normally hearing on bass so just a killer group of guys and help me out that make me look like you know i I, i'm gonna get to the point eventually i'm gonna set my guitar down and just sing because they're they're just you know they i can't keep up with them sometimes (laughs) looking into your crystal ball tell us what you see in the future for dustin brown a happy life and I want that life to be in music. So if 20 years from now I'm no bigger or smaller than I am now, but I'm happy and I'm still creating new stuff and making, that's that's where I see myself. I want to go into the end of my life or through my life, whatever, as be known as a musician and just, and yeah, if we somehow get some kind of recognition and even some local fame, if you want to call it that, or just whatever, or can make a, a living, that's a goal mm-hmm. enough in itself. You know, it's mm-hmm. almost impossible, it seems like, but... But yeah, that's the crystal ball. Somebody. 
So I'm, I'm starting a, uh, a YouTube channel uh, called The Unknown Roadshow. The idea is, you know, I, I meet all these people through this, this life that are the unknowns in a way. You know, they're songwriters, singers, or just characters out, out there, you know, just like you guys. And, 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 we, and I want to I have this channel that, that's a space for that. Eventually that'll drop and we can be putting that out. And we'll be doing live, like, theater events too, so like... Instead of like songwriters, we normally get put in a corner of like a bar and it does like with a band, you can do that. But, you know, songwriters kind of get beat up in a bar because no one cares. (laughs) So we, we, you know, we've basically come with the idea. It's like, well, a lot of time we lose money doing that anyway in our barely break even. So let's let's talk to these theaters. And a lot of them, they don't have a big overhead cost to rent the theater and and do our own promotion and our own like bring the audience to us. Because there's probably a lot of people who love love songwriter or I know they do like I'm one of them like I love songwriter music but even me when I'm at a bar I'm, I'm there to like kind of drink and cut loose like I can even catch myself like not giving the attention that they they deserve but if it was branded hey come to this theater like it's a date night it's a uh, it's a it's an event you know and there's people who don't enjoy going to bars so that if they see that they're like well let's go there but the main reason is like I said it's to bring a real stage to people who I think and other th- others think deserve it that don't get it all the time, you know, like, cause there's just so amazing songwriters and performers in just this little area and this state and even out of this state, you know, and eventually that's, I hope it grows to that point. But That's been one of my observations. There's a lot of talent in this area and there are quite a few good venues, but there are just starting to be the kind of venues you're talking about, but bars are not always the right venue for every kind of act. Yeah, and when I first got here, you know, it was like, you're either a righteous Christian or you're a hell-bent sinner, and there's nothing in between. Mm-hmm. So that makes it hard for musicians exactly. and venues. The thing that I've been really pleased by from this area and even and around, you know, is, is that there's great fans out there, too, you know. But but also, like, you know, a lot of those 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 fans, they are, I don't even want to call them fans, they're people. There's good people that want to hear good music and they do seek it out, but they, they're not going to go to the bar and have some 
drunk guy or gal like screaming at them and tripping on them and stuff. So they're they're not going to go there. But if we give them a space that's respectful and clean and like I don't even know if that's the right way to describe it, but just some of the songwriters I know like have never got to sit on a beautiful stage with sound being ran for them and a crowd that actually listens. And that's all I want. I just want five people, even if it's five people out there silently listening, if I can organize these events and have the video element to go along with it and kind of make a, uh, a scene in a way, you know, yeah. and give people, like I said, the unknowns, a place to do that. That's what I want. There's too many talented people that just, they'll live and die and no one will ever know that they ever even did it, you know? And I want to give them a place to do it. That's awesome. That's very inspiring. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. And thank you so much for taking the time to share your journey with us. I appreciate you all having me. Like I said, I, I, I was listening to, you know, the episodes. And I'm like, this is perfect. This is, you know, this is where I want to, the kind of conversation I want to have and be part of a podcast like this. So this has been great and wonderful. And I love you guys. So. So I am sitting out on my front porch with the Tornado Radio crew. Producer, Cedar Branches. Hola. Hola. Que tal? DJ, Shanti Ann. How you doing? Y'all know me, Sarah Seven. Executive producer, resident of Loudmouth. <laughs> anyway. And we're just... Uh, taking a little bit of time to kind of reflect on what this season has been and where we're going on this uh, beautiful evening. So I don't know. What have, we, what have we learned about the music scene? Well, I've learned something that I'm not surprised about, and that is that Central Texas has just an amazing amount of talent. It's a little bit more than I expected. And it's not that other places don't have talent. Uh, but there's a, a remarkably surprising amount out here in the country. I kind of thought when I got down here to Texas that I'd just be hearing a bunch of uh, singer-songwriter Texas country stuff, and I come down here and all the guests we've had all season long have just been amazing, from, you know, from some wacky electronica to opera singers to rock and roll to folk to stuff that just completely defies genre altogether, and the, the talent pool here is very rich. Yeah, the variety, yeah. You know, there's a tremendous amount of, of potential here. A lot of this talent is untapped because of the sort of the business dynamics. And, of course, it's also been heavily impacted over the last year, the music scene here. But I think the potential is actually a lot greater than what people might imagine. If people could kind of break out on the ways they think the business should run in this area, if the musicians, the venues, and especially the audience would come together and look at the big picture and work together towards lifting the music scene into common knowledge. There's a lot of talent here, but a lot of the musicians have no clue how to promote themselves, and even the ones who do don't have the time. And a lot of people who live here think that if you want to hear good music, you have to go down to Austin. Yeah. And a lot of the venues think that good music is music that brings people in to buy a lot of drinks. If we could find some venues that are willing to take some risks or redefine what a venue is. I avoid Austin like the plague, and if I wanted to find good music, I would not go to Austin. You know, I could go to Austin if I want to hear the same old formulaic stuff. And I actually have a little bit of fear that this scene here has some of the sort, same sort of limitations on, on like you say, um, providing opportunities to much more creative, original musicians that are here. You know, I think in order to really bolster this scene and to create a scene that's worthy of some attention, there's got to be some creativity and originality to all of it. And one thing that I think is a bit negligent in this area is really just the fostering of the original talent. 
being willing to take some chances, break away from the formulas, and support the growth of aspiring creative musicians who may even technically lack in talent, but to help foster them and help bolster their ability to market themselves, to be seen, to be heard, and even more so an accepting audience of music that's outside of the standard for the area. It used to be that a given city would have a sound, you know, like there's the Motown sound, and there was the Philly sound, and people got behind their musicians. We could do that. You know, that would help a little bit. But I think it's not just about being local, but also just, yeah, doing something a little bit different. I don't think any scene has ever been created that I can think of where someone was just trying to repeat something that's already been done. You know? Exactly, exactly. You know, if you want yeah. to sing Motown, I'm sorry, you're not, in, you're not in Detroit. You know, that was at a certain time. And every music scene that has emerged, whether you talk about the, the grunge scene or the punk scene or, you know, the Beatles coming out of England or, you know, all these different things... When those sounds were created, they were very unique, very original, and they could be tied to a place and a time. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, repeating the same stuff is sort of like the problem. It's like how not to create a scene. Well, let's make it sound like the uh, outlaw country, you know? It's like, look, that's been done, and that's not a scene, really. I have to say, though, that I learned that there are firecrackers in Salado. The ones that like the high school kids? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've also learned that, that a guy named Matt wants to wear Speedos this summer. <laughs> and um, let's see, what else? What else have we learned? I've um, learned that open mics don't pay. Yeah, yeah. They're good ways to network, but... Oh, yeah, but that's about it. And the gigs are few and far between this this year especially. I've learned some interesting things about uh, the Canadian government. <laughs> Let's just say that. British California. And I've learned how not to drive on the ice. <laughs> Got some really good advice there. And, you know, I was reminded of some, you know, things I used to know about ice fishing. And I know, and I know how much I miss ice skating. What would really help this scene grow? All the constituents in the music scene learning to work together toward the common goal of raising the entire scene to, together. So I think it's important for people in the Central Texas music area to support the independent arts, to choose independent local music over the big four record labels, to really have an open mind to what they might listen to, even if it defies what they think is their type of music. And to really, you know, show up to shows. Really, you know, buy tickets, buy merch. Um, help these help these struggling musicians to continue on. Well, yeah, and believing that we've got something here that's worth supporting. I think it's important for the, the listeners to support the musicians by listening to them. I mean, deeply listening to them, you know, not just going to shows and hanging out with your friends and having a big old party at the table and just hearing the musicians as background noise. To me, that kind of disrespects all the energy, the time and energy that they've put into creating their music and perfecting it. Just pay attention to the music, listen to it appreciate the depth. Yeah, because that fosters understanding and that underscores how this music might be unique and different from the crap you're listening on to the radio. <laughs> Where would you all like to see this uh, scene go? One Any of the goals that I have for Tornado Radio is to really help raise the Central Texas music scene and the amazing talent here into the national and the international spotlight. Over the last year, we've seen music scenes all over the world sort of drop off the radar or be quashed completely. And we've had a scene here that has persisted through it with a tenacity that's unbelievable. The live shows have never stopped. The talent has kept practicing and kept putting out work. And actually, this scene, as far as I can tell, has grown. And as stuff starts to open back up, I think that this is really worth highlighting to other places in the country and other places in the world that'll be remarkably surprised that Central Texas is where it's at when it comes to music. 
There's definitely something here. I predict the death of Top 40 Radio. Oh, nice. Yeah, let's yeah. see. What do I? What else do I predict? I predict theaters becoming venues. I predict more outdoor shows. Um, I don't know. Social distancing and mosh pits. Um. <laughs> yeah, that that that'd be interesting. Um, let's see what else. I don't know. I'm wondering what the arrival of, you know, SpaceX in, in, into Texas, you know, the elongated muskrat, you know, I'm wondering if he'll have any impact on the music scene or maybe the music scene will just ignore him. No, I, I definitely predict the pendulum's going to swing the other way with the music scene. We've had a lot of downtime and I think that everyone's really ripe for some fun and to get back out and to get back into some real living as opposed to just surviving. Yeah, that's 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 true. I don't know, sort of a country punk rock revival. That's what I'm predicting. You know, but but I'm biased, you know. <laughs> as we're sitting here on this porch, you know, porch punk. You bring that's what the I steel predict. guitar, I'll bring the laptop. Yeah, exactly. Porch punk. It's a thing. <laughs> I predict it. I do have a prediction about the upcoming season and in all seriousness, I predict that the next season of Tornado Radio is going to be off the hook. Oh, it's going to be kick-ass awesome. No matter how crazy things get, and I'm I'm thinking they are, I, I think we need to look for something to be joyful about, and we need to find some joy, you know, and enjoy the things that are real. And where better to find that than... Right joining here. community and watching some live music. Yep. All right, so this concludes season one of Tornado Radio. And we're going to take a little bit of a break, about a month, so we can plot and scheme and plan our next season. So we'll be back better and crazier than ever. Oh, and uh, I do need to say this. Um, it's predicted on the weather that uh, there's going to be another polar vortex taking a stroll on down, and we aren't going to get snow or any of that cold, but there's going to be some tornadoes, or at least possibly. But whether or not there are tornadoes uh, this evening, we'll be back, thinking about May, um, and until then, peace be with y'all.